This is the Bivocational Preacher Podcast, episode number one. Vocational Preacher Podcast, where we are all about encouraging preachers working between a calling and a career. And I'm your host, Ronnie Brown. My co-host is with me is Chris Paradise. Hey and, there, how you doing? Yes, without a bow tie. I know. It's, <laughs> I just got off work. There you go. We're in here on a Thursday night because we care about bivocational uh, pastors. And so for this first episode, we're just going to kind of talk about uh, our own journey and get to, so you can get to know us and, uh, and know a little bit more about us. Now, Chris, our paths crossed when we were early, uh, yeah. preaching and yeah. just starting to preaching. And, uh, I remember, um, meeting Robbie Jackson yep. uh, down at the jail and he introduced me to all you folks at Liberty. And yep. I want you to talk about a little bit what was going on at Liberty. There were a lot of preachers yep. in that same time that come out of Liberty. I know Bud Stiltner and right. John Underwood, Robbie Mike, Jackson. Mike Angel. Mike Angel yeah. as well and come Mike, out of that same year. Yeah, actually, um, I actually came in at the tail end of, of all the preachers being yeah. called in and, uh, Pastor Larry Underwood, he mm-hmm. really was a huge, huge help to all of us in the mm-hmm. ministry. And, um, yeah, my, my, my uncle, uh, Mark Kale, he was the one that actually, uh, really encouraged me as I was, uh, had a really bl- tough past and, uh, I was saved at an early age. Yeah. Um, then I rebelled and went away from the Lord and, um, by the grace of God and the, and the mercy of God, he, he used my aunt and my uncle to really help get me back in the ministry and get back in, in church, get right with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember, Actually, ironically, both times that really st- stands out in my mind, uh, the first time I ever said amen in church <laughs> was, uh, I know that sounds a little funny, but Dean McNeese was preaching. Yeah. And, uh, he, he was there for just a special service. And, um, a little bit later on after that, I remember repenting and I, I was praying and asking God to forgive me for my rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on a back row. Uh, at Liberty Baptist Church and, uh, God started dealing with me and he actually used, uh, my youth pastor at the time, John Underwood. Mm-hmm. And he started, uh, I guess he's seen something there. I don't know. Just seen a little bit of a fire and he was wanting to just fan the embers. And uh, he said, Hey, would you, would you like to help out in teaching Sunday school every now and then? Oh, absolutely. And I was just getting in the word of God yeah. and just really feeding on that. And, um, and then we had a youth rally and, Ironically, Dean McNeese was preaching mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I just felt the spirit of God just really, really the burden, burdening me to, to surrender to the call. Yeah. And, uh, I, I still wrestled with it after that day, but I talked to a pastor Underwood and, uh, we prayed together. And mm-hmm. one thing he told me that really stuck out was he said, son, if you can get away from this, do it. Yeah. And I couldn't, I, I, could, <laughs> I couldn't get away from it. I, I, I dreamed about preaching. I, 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 I had visions of preaching and, and I just couldn't get away from it. And it's, uh, it's so unreal. Yeah. Uh, what happens in that call. And we may, we may take a whole, whole evening sometime to talk about that, that, that dynamic. Cause I know a lot of guys, 
you know, I have that question. Well, am I called to preach or not? You right. know, and it's huge. It's yeah. a huge question and that we need to hash out. Absolutely. But what a wonderful, uh, what a wonderful moment yeah. in a person's life when they realize God's got their hand on you. He yeah. wants you for to do something for him. Amen. And uh, I identify with that completely. Yeah. So, so what took place next? What happened next? Well, um, just just like any other thing, God God puts a message on your heart, brother Larry Underwood. I surrendered. He said, "All right, son, you got two weeks." That's what brother kid did <laughs> <Yeah>. to me. <laughs> so, so I had two weeks to get a message together, and ironically, I preached on uh, I preached out of First uh, Samuel, where uh, the calling of David when he mm-hmm. was anointed with the oil, and I and I preached on this title. He's my sole provider, mm. and uh, I was talking about the things that God provided for David. And looking back at that message, I, it's amazing. How God would still even use me to be quite honest. <laughs> I mean, I, of course, I've said some other things behind the pulpit that's just kind of you scratch your head on, you know. But I mean, that you just—I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was just really, uh, really excited uh, mm-hmm. to, to have the opportunity. And from there, I mean, I preached everywhere I had a chance. I mean, yeah. I was preaching at men's meetings. Uh, yeah. You know, going to these meetings where a bunch of old silver-haired saints of God were there, they're just encouraging you. I mean, yeah. you might have preached a message that sounded completely stupid. I mean, you know, whatever. you just up there preaching. Uh, I preached a message, you know, you know snakes on your heel when you know God's on your tail. <laughs> and, you know, so, so, I mean, just, just funny stuff like that. And, you know, and, you, and I'm looking at my, my pastor, under Pastor Larry Underwood, he's back there sometimes just doing this, shaking his head. You know, I can't believe he's doing that. But, but I preached at the, I preached there, and then of course I've preached at the jail. And that's where we met. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the first time I ever preached at the jail was to three sex offenders. Yes. I mean, that was it. Yes. And, uh, that, that really was intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but at, at one point, I, I mean, after preaching there as long as I did and, and it really encouraged me. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, and it helped me to be more seasoned, I guess, to give me the experience to, to, be able to preach to to fifty people or three people. I mean, yeah, it didn't you know, matter. and that's the thing. When uh, here's a young man, uh, God's got every oh every uh, I'll start to say oh every seasoned saint lady yeah. in the church pat you on the back. Oh, you're yeah. so good. <laughs> and your your thought is, where's my church? Yeah. Where where you know I, I'm I'm the next darling. Where's yeah. my where's my two hundred member church? Yeah. You know where I'm gonna uh, throw down at and exactly. and. and but the reality is, is that a, what, what, uh, what enables uh, a preacher to stick is those early experiences mm-hmm. yeah. and that early desire that God, I will do anything right. to preach. I will go anywhere. I, right. I remember Jack Howell saying in one of his messages one time, a lot of you boys are, are waiting for a door to open. You need to kick a few in, you know? <laughs> and and that's that zeal, that young, right. that that preacher boy zeal that I don't want to ever get over, Amen. you know? And uh, But I can, ad- I can ad- <laughs> surely identify with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Well, since then, I mean, uh, you know, I, I ended up Helping out uh, with a with a couple of the churches, you know, along the way, and uh, was a youth pastor um, at a church in Rossville for probably about two years. Yeah, and uh, from there, I've moved on to um, uh, Mariah Baptist Church here in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, and I've been there about eight years. And uh, we've we've had some. When I first started out there, we had like I believe it was like six young people, mm. and. Uh, after working that for a couple of years, we ended up having around 40 or 45 at, at any given time. Wow. Um, but of course, you know how things go sometimes. Yeah. 
people people leave, people go other places. Some even actually move to other states. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just seemed like, uh, you know, it seemed like where we hit that high pinnacle, if you will, of forty or forty five, and you know, we, we're we've been down as low as two or three at, at times. Yeah. Um, but but again, I mean, that's about staying faithful. Yeah. And uh, you know, and we've worked it back to where we we're now around about twelve to fifteen. Mm-hmm. So we got a good group of kids. Yeah. And um, you know, and I, I don't take it lightly i don't take the calling lightly right and uh, i still preach the word of god i mean i always tell them if all you want to do is have fun we'll have a booger flicking contest and go home i mean that's <laughs> that's, that's what that's i tell great. them but, but but it's it's about them developing a relationship with the lord mm-hmm. and and it's my responsibility to uh to to guide them in that way yeah. and uh, i was actually reading uh the other day, a, a book from Paul Chapel, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he he said something that really stood out in that book. He said about a youth pastor. A youth pastor should, uh, well, actually, hold on one second. I've actually got. I want to read this because I do not want to mess up a, a, a quote from Paul Chapel. Uh, it says, "Our desire ought to be to raise the spiritual maturity of young people rather than lower the definition of God." Mm. And wow, when I read that, it, we sell God short. We oftentimes absolutely do to and, try to attract a crowd. Oftentimes, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and and that's what I've really been focusing on uh, yeah. with with our young people and trying to uh, build their spiritual uh, maturity up. And mm. and 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 that's what it's about. Yeah. And uh, it's yeah. it's to to share. The love of God and to and to share the gospel with with as many people as we can and those that are in there let's train them so they yeah. themselves can go out and share. Yeah, that's what Second Timothy two two is all about. Yeah. You know, to teach those to t- so they themselves can go out and train that's others. That's right. And uh, so that's what I've been working on. I mean, God's been working and moving in my life in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And um, I I mean, I'm I'm only thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been, I mean, I've been in the ministry going on 10 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started young. God called me young and I thank God for that. And Amen. quite honestly, I wish you would have called me sooner. That's right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, being in the ministry is, is, seems like saying it as long as I have only being 30, I don't consider myself old, but, right. uh, I've, I've experienced a lot of things that, uh, quite honestly, I wouldn't want anyone else to experience, yeah, yeah. but I've also uh, experienced some things that I would like to experience more of. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I have a great desire at some point to go full time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just because, like you and I were talking before we got on on the air, you know, th- the opportunities to 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 say, well, if I had a little bit more time That's to right. do this and. You know, and I've really had a lot of challenges, and I'm sure we'll talk about it um, in, in weeks to come, but the balance mm-hmm. of ministry, work, and family. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a huge, huge challenge, yeah. uh, especially for myself. Yeah. You know, is that that challenge of turning work off when work is done and flipping the ministry switch on when it's time to focus on ministry. And then the daddy switch. And then the daddy switch. <laughs> that's right. So, so I mean, it's, yeah, this is, this is by vocational preacher. So yeah. what is your, what is your, uh, you know, your other vocation? You're oh, a, well. you're a full time, uh, youth, they always say, they say this to me at church, you know, you're a full-time pastor and a full-time yeah. engineer or whatever. So you're, you're a full-time pastor and a full-time employee at, at, uh, it's a, it's a company called Royal Chemical. Royal Chemical. Yeah. We work at a, I work at a chemical company and don't, don't, I don't want you to think I'm, I'm, I'm smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> 
it, it's it's not it's not you know I'm not wearing a lab coat or anything like that. I did used to work in the lab, but um, I've been there actually going on eleven years. Wow! And uh, yeah, it, it's it just seems unreal. Um, and uh, I just got potty trained, and then I just moved right into Royal Chemical, I guess. But no, but um, yeah, I've been there uh, about eleven or twelve years. I can't really remember, but um, I worked in the lab for a while, and now I've moved uh, moved to the front office. I've got a desk job. Ooh, so, found a desk yeah, now. You, but but it's been it's been a blessing because I've actually been able to. I'm I'm actually able to to focus some on ministry while I'm at work, mm-hmm. and uh, we have that hour period of time where you know we have a lunch break there mm-hmm. for an hour, and I'm able to to focus in on some stuff. and And to be quite honest with you, I've done my I've done my seminary work while I was at work. Yeah. You know, I was able yeah. to to balance that as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm very fortunate. Great group of men that we have that work yeah. there. Um, good Christian men, actually. John Underwood, uh, he was my youth pastor, and at one time he was my pastor. Well, he's my boss. Yeah. <laughs> so can't I can't get rid of him, or he can't get rid of me, whichever way you want to look at that. But um, but yeah, we've been working together for 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 quite a while. Yeah. So, but I'm very thankful. Yeah. So what's what's your um, describe your work hours? You you get there what? We usually, I mean, my work hours is eight to four thirty. Um, eight to four thirty. Yeah, eight to four thirty. Okay. So, but but there's a lot of days where we we have to work a little overtime, mm-hmm. and uh, some days it's a little challenging. Like yeah. I'll give you an example. Um, a couple of months ago, my pastor Randy Lynn mm-hmm. uh, decided to go on a vacation. I joked and said it was his fifth vacation of the year. <laughs> um, you know how those pastors are, but no. Uh, but he, he gave me the responsibility to fill the pulpit, you know, to do the announcements and I, I was running the show. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, and so I looked forward to it the whole week. I mean, I was preaching Sunday morning and I ended up preaching Sunday night. We That's had, right. That missionary yeah, was late. You yeah, telling me about that. <laughs> missionary was late. And then I was preaching Wednesday night. So, I mean, I had all three services. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to this. Well, uh, Wednesday night, I guess, what happens? Lo and behold, we're waiting on a truck to show up at our plant. Oh. And, uh, I mean, I, so I sent my pastor a text. I said, I've got good news and bad news. <laughs> the bad news, I'm still at work. The good news, I'm not coming from Mississippi like this missionary was. Sunday. <laughs> so, so, you know, church starts at seven and, and I did not leave work until six. Oh so, man. So we, you know, we, we hightailed at home and, uh, I mean, I literally, Changed clothes as quick as I got home and kissed the kissed the kids as we were walking out the door to go back to church. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it was a it was a challenge, uh, but but I was very thankful for the opportunity. You know, so much of that, so much of the bivocational ministry is that last minute yeah. seat of the pants kind of <laughs> uh, kind of getting stuff done right yeah. in the nick of time. You know, uh, so much of it is that way. Yeah. It makes you appreciate. It makes you, I, I envision someday if I'm ever a fully funded pastor that I will appreciate it so much more than, than I think some other right. fellas do. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's great. So Chris, I, I, I want to thank you for coming out and being a part of this. Absolutely. So, I consider uh, it an honor. Yeah. You're a blessing and, uh, I've enjoyed watching your ministry, Amen. uh, through the years and how God's used you. And, uh, but my, my story is very similar. Um, uh, I was, um, uh, I just got married in 98, moved up, 
to go to my home church that I actually left years earlier to uh, go to school in Atlanta and um, was going to Temple Baptist Church where Ken Trivet was my pastor. And I remember at a junior high retreat, I went with a junior high. I wasn't teaching at all. I was just there to kind of help. And uh, I remember being in a service where they singled out the youth workers. And I remember distinctly that call that 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 kernel of an idea mm. i want you to preach I, I i want you to do that and for a solid year i said you're crazy <laughs> i am not like brother ken i am not like his son terry the youth pastor at the time yeah. i i don't do good in front of people i can't get up i'm i'm i really can't talk and for a solid year, my wife listened to me say, I can't preach between <laughs> church and home about every other Sunday. And, uh, and she's all the times, you know, she's more, she told me later in hindsight, if you're not called to preach, then why are you talking about it all the time? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but finally, uh, in, uh, 2000, 2001, uh, I finally come to the grips with, I was stuck, we were doing experiencing God and we were studying, uh, somewhere along in that series, and it seemed it seemed to be indicating what I was reading or whatever the thought came to my mind that you know God's coming to me saying, "Are you willing to trade what I have for you in the future because you have a hang up mm. about being in front of people?" And it was at that point where I just said, "No, I'm not willing, not willing to do that." Amen. And of course, I I surrendered then. Yeah. And then made an appointment to go see my pastor like the next next day or something like that. And I told Brother Ken and and immediately I'm I'm waiting for my job offer, you know, to be <laughs> you know, to be the next minister of evangelism, you know, there at the church. And and uh and and I remember telling Brother Ken and I'd be just uh, it'd be just so great if I could come and, you know, work with you and help you. And he, well, that'll, that will, we'll cross that bridge when we get there kind of thing. And so, uh, but, uh, um, but it was a couple of weeks later, August the 18th, uh, I was in the pulpit and brother Kim was like that as well. If you surrender to call to preach, let's go ahead and break the ice and do it. But I thought, you know, I really thought that I would preach one message, maybe two, and that would be it. Right. You know, and then I could go do what I wanted to. I wanted to play the guitar and sing praise and worship, you know, and, and do that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, um, that's not what God planned. And, uh, I'll never forget after I preached that first message, there he is, uh, deacon by the name of Bob McCoy. And he come up to me and met me after a service or after Sunday school or something. He said, uh, brother Ronnie, we're, we're signing up all the preachers to go down to the Chattanooga rescue mission. We have a, a night every month. Now, what night you want me to, you want me to sign you up for January? And, uh, and I was like, Oh yes, brother, I'll go down there and preach to the homeless at the mission. And I was awestruck in fear. I, I was so scared. Uh, I was like, I did not want to do this. Well, I went down there and, uh, did my thing, preached as best as I could. And, uh, it was, um, the fellow from the night chaplain got, the night chaplain got to know me after that. And it wasn't like a few days later, he called me and was like, Hey, I want you to come back like every month, not just this once a year. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, those are homeless people that give me the creeps. Uh, but you know, I, I, I kind of made a commitment that I would not say no to an opportunity to preach. And so, um, so it was right after then that I started going to that every month. And once that happened, 
the bug bit me. I fell in love with preaching. I fell in love with sharing God's word. I may not have done it well and still struggle, but I fell in love with preaching. Yeah. Before long, it was the, it was the jail. You know, brother Ken's going to drag us down to the jail. And then I met somebody there, got in a local county jail. And then it was the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, old folks home, yeah. the nursing home. And so in all those times, then I got a Sunday school class. And so all those times God was preparing me and it was from 2001 until 2007 that it was, it was, that was the road. That was the road I was taking where I was preaching anywhere I could right. and, and trying now, I only had 12 sermons by the time I got to that, got to <laughs> yeah. 2007 was called to be a pastor. Cause you know, I'd, I'd preach one for the flavor of the month kind there of thing. Go. And then, and then I would preach a new one. Then I'd go back to the one before to preach the next month. And so, but, um, uh, God was really taking me through a training period and, and really making me fall in love with communicating his truth and, and the gospel. But in 2007, Gethsemane Baptist Church called me and, and me and my wife really sensed the Lord's call. Um, this church had always had a full-time pastor uh, up until its last pastorate, which lasted about a year and a half. And he was bivocational. And then so I was the second bivocational pastor to come in there. And you could tell the people really didn't want that. They wanted to have a full-time pastor. Right. And I think for some churches that's a badge of 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 you know success we yeah. we we've arrived we got a full time uh, pastor um my biggest fear and you talked about this uh, preaching sunday morning sunday night and wednesday night that one week um my biggest fear i got 12 maybe 15 messages how in the world am i going to work a full time job yeah. and be able to do three messages a week because down here in the buckle of the Bible Belt, we still yeah. go to church on Sunday night and Sunday morning yeah. and, and Wednesday night. Now, and, and some churches and some pastors, when they go into a place like that, too, they're they're teaching Sunday school as well. I mean, so yeah, that, yeah, I've I mean, got a sun, yeah, I've got yeah. a Sunday school class as well. So, I mean, you, you're looking at preparing four sermons or four right. lessons, if you will, yeah. you know, for for one week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's a lot. That's right. a lot of preparation. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of walking the tightrope. You know, uh, like you said, family, work, ministry, these three things put together. And, and I've seen the strain on all three of them yeah. in these years that I've, I've, I've pastored. Um, just a couple of years ago, we changed the name of the church, done some, uh, done some kind of just reestablishing the church to, I think, to some great success. And I think God's blessed that, yeah. but that's kind of my story. Yeah. And, and, you know, I kind of, when I had the idea of this, um, I, I I have a heart for people that are in the same place. Because I don't know about you, I have several times over the past eight years that I've been here, seven and a half years, is that I have come to this teetering point of quitting, mm. of 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 giving up, of right. of saying what's the use, of saying where is God? You know, uh, those moments where. Those moments where you have to leave to study and the kids are crying or they want to go throw, you know, shoot some basketball, yeah. throw some baseball, you know, 
the wife just simply wants to cuddle up, but it's Saturday night. I got to be ready for Sunday right. morning. It's those times where you just say, and, and, you know, there's, then, then you get there and deliver the message and they're popping bubble gum. They're, <laughs> they're trying to stay awake. They're psyched out. You know, they're not right. paying attention. And you think, good grief. I cannot continue to do this. Right. That's where I want this podcast to try to reach out and help. If Amen. there is anything, that I've learned or you've learned over these years, we're going to try to share it. And we're going to try to, we're going to get other pastors. We're going to get seasoned pastors for, that have been bivocational for many years and yeah. they've seen success. And what I want out of this program is for us, us to, uh, us to see, uh, us to talk to people and show that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. There is, there is success in bivocational ministry. Absolutely. There is fruit. There is fulfillment in that. And if we can show uh, somebody listening, hey, this one little tip can save you an hour. Yeah. It, this one little tip can help you reach some people. Uh, this one little strategy can draw some people into your small church, yeah. can change the dynamic. Um that's what I want to share. Amen. That's what I want to share in this. Amen. And so that, that's, that's my heart. And I wanted to call you into this because we come from a slightly different perspective. We're both bivocational, mm-hmm. but I'm a, I'm a senior pastor of a smaller church. Yeah. You are a youth pastor mm-hmm. in a larger church. I mean, your church is, uh, Mariah, I think, do you run a hundred or like you run a hundred and maybe fifty or? Well, um, we well, that's probably how many we got on the roll. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we, we we're probably around. I would say on on a good Sunday right now, we're we're in the nineties to a hundred and twenty. Yeah. I mean, so we're, I mean, we're we're pretty. I guess you could say as far as uh, a a a barometer for for this area. I mean, we're we're in the middle range, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're. In my opinion, I, I, we're in a good location. And, oh, and, you can't ask for better yeah, location. I mean, we're right smack dab in between. I mean, we're right next to Walmart. I mean, yeah. what more do you want? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes. <laughs> so, yes. so I mean, we're right. Well, I mean, we're right there, right in the in the heart of the city of Fort Overthor. A lot of traffic, mm-hmm. and um, but but ironically, what's crazy? A lot of people don't know where we're at. Yeah, and uh, and so um, that's that's kind of that's kind of. In my opinion, that's, that's a little weird, strange, yeah. if you, th- I mean, if you yeah. really think about it. But when you, when you mention we're right next to Logan's and Walmart, it, the light comes on. Oh, oh that one. That yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, we're, we're predominantly small. In, in my opinion, we're kind of small for the location. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, I guess, cons- I mean, compared it to maybe Bethany Baptist, yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we would be considered a larger yeah. church. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, in coming, here's the thing. If I believe the statistics and I did some research on this and you, you find several different estimates on online, but anywhere from 70 to 80% of your churches are 200 or less. Right. It is only the small fraction that make up the mega churches and the larger ones. When you drive down the road, you see the big church. Mm-hmm. They have a thousand. They have 800 in attendance or even greater. That is such a minute fraction. But I, and what's crazy about it, brother Ronnie, is they get all the attention. They're the ones that get the attention. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a lot of times the bar that we're trying to set. 
Exactly. I mean, that's that to us. That's that's where we want to be. Yeah. You know, but but in actuality, that's not where God really wants us. Well, to be. And, and that <laughs> defines success. Yeah. If if we want to we want to see success in the ministry and. All the websites, all the periodicals, all the church associations, they look to these and they say, here is where you need to be. These big conferences, here is what you should be. And if you're not there, you need to do this, 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 and this to be that. Now, I'm for church growth just as much as anyone else does. But at the same time, we are placed where we are for a reason, for a purpose. And uh, not everybody in this, not every church is going to be this monstrous, uh, huge uh, monstrosity of of an assembly. Matter of fact, I mean, I'm not in that position. I don't know how they do it, but I don't know how I could pastor more than 200 people. I don't even know if I could do 200, you know, to be a pastor, to be the friend that I should, to be the one that is invested in those lives, uh, the way I should as a shepherd. But, uh, but if you, if you've got, if you've got 80 or 70 to 80 percent of them are 200 or less, then be, uh, I, I think below that, when you get into 60, then you get into 100. Or less. Now, mm-hmm. the rule of thumb that I've always heard and other preachers talk about, 100 people is a staff member, a full-time mm-hmm. staff member. So when you get to 100, you have a, a right. staff member. If you get to 200, you have two staff members. Right. That's the rule of thumb. So that says that if the majority of the churches, a, a more than half of them are less than 100, then more than half of the churches out there have more than likely have bivocational preachers. Right. There's somebody yeah. working a job and ministering. Yeah. And so there's all kinds of aspects to that. There's the aspect of youth mm-hmm. with, with a supportive role at, in a church yeah. that is, that is a staff role that is bivocational. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I wanted your perspective. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of us out there. And a lot of times when you're bivocational, you think you're all by yourself. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And so, um, that's why I wanted to do this. And uh, we're gonna, I mean, we're gonna try to do bare bones tips. We're gonna yeah. try to do talk about, we're gonna talk about current issues. We're gonna invite pastors that have had success in, and uh, we're we're gonna try to help some people. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this is gonna be great. It's gonna yeah. be a great adventure. Yes, sir. And so, uh, but uh, I want everybody out here that's listening to this. If you're listening for this for the first time, make sure you go by the website uh, at bivocationalpreacher.com. There's no hyphen. Bivocationalpreacher.com. Get on the mailing list so that you can be uh, up to speed on what's going on at bivocationalpreacher.com and learn more about us as we develop the website a little further. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have uh, different things. We're going to have resources on that website. I'm going to my my goal is to have how to videos. We're going to shoot some videos, things yeah. like that to put on there to help people just do basic stuff. I'd like to do some sermon prep stuff yeah. and and. Stuff like Even, audio, yeah. the thing you showed me yeah. tonight, the integrate, app, that's a great tool. Integrate some technology in yep. your church as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to talk about building a church website, building a podcast, uh, things that can really help put your church out there so people yeah. can know where you are. Um, so a lot of things we're going to be doing. But uh, Chris, this is the start yeah. of, a, uh, of a great relationship. Yes, sir. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bivocational Preacher Podcast. And until next time, this is Ronnie Brown and Chris Paradise. And we'll see you on the next time.